This is the More Than Work podcast, where we talk all about how to gain more satisfaction in your job. It's possible to enjoy your life and your work, because business is personal. And now, today's story. So on today's podcast, we thought we would tackle a topic that a lot of businesses don't talk about. And it's something that you're going to get super excited about, and it's financials, right? Wow. Except we're not... so exciting but we're not going to dive into financials like don't worry we're not going to try to give you an accounting course during this podcast but we are going to answer some of the common questions that employees and secretly business owners even have about financials and business Uh, so to share a little story about this uh, you know in our history at people centric dude we, we used to not be open book now we're open book where we share a little bit more about our financials we share what's going on more inside the company but before we were doing that there were definitely some interesting perceptions from employees i would have conversations with about how much money we made and where that money went uh, we had one person that worked for us who saw how much money we were charging a client and started doing some math and going, wow, we're making a ton of money. Why am I not getting paid more money? And really that person didn't understand the expenses that are involved in running a business. Or uh, my favorite story is we had another employee who worked for us for several years and then left and was working for another firm. And I ran into this person. She told me that she had just bought a new house and it was over in this area that I live in. And I said, hey, maybe, what neighborhood is it? Maybe we live in the same neighborhood. And she's like, no, 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 no. I'm just an employee. I don't live in the same neighborhood as you. You own a business. Like surely you live in something, something springs, some kind of a really expensive by the golf course. gated yeah. community. I do live by the golf course. I actually do live near a golf course. Yeah. Uh, the public golf course here. And <laughs> <laughs> the neighborhood market. <laughs> yeah, near the, I, yeah, there's a Walmart neighborhood market in my neighborhood. So it's wow. pretty sweet. It's pretty sweet it's area. In their neighborhood. I, only hope I, mean, I, I do live in a, it's a nice neighborhood. It's a, it's a nice area, but you know, she, but it, it turns out she does live in the same neighborhood. And that, I think, flabbergasted her. She was a little bit like, I can't believe, like, what are you doing? You slumming or what's going on? Why do you live in that house? And I think there's just a lot of misconception about like, how much do owners really make? What happens with profit? Uh, so we thought we would dive in and ask some of those questions. So what we have here on the call is we have myself who owns a business. We have Diana, who's our chief operating officer, also MBA, who gets to dive into financials for the business. And we also have Matt and Bethany who work as consultants inside People Centric. And we're gonna give them a chance and you a chance just to ask some questions about what it's like in terms of a business. So I'll send it over to Matt. Matt, thanks. I don't know. Uh, thanks, Don. I don't know, I don't know how impactful this is, but you did actually build and design your house in that neighborhood. I mean, we don't have to go there, but you did actually like one of the first houses build, there, I think. Build and design so the house. We, we basically own. built the neighborhood. Right. <laughs> we yeah. did hire a builder to build this house. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And it does have 1,900 square feet, so it's yeah. oh, uh, pretty nice. It's pretty yep. sweet. My son's out shoveling the driveway right now. So. <laughs> That's right. So. All right, so so let's let's start here. And I, I like I like kind of how you position that just a little bit. And a lot of this is is built on assumption. The story that Don's telling there is a story that we do hear often, and it's funny. Just I'm going to reveal the curtain just a little bit for some of the listeners here. We did talk about okay, does anybody have a story about this? And yes, we do hear things from our clients, from friends 
uh, quite a bit, but instead we thought, you know what, we have our own stories uh, that we have internally. Let's just use us as an example and not a client this time, right? This is one of those stories that's built with uh, assumption. Let's just kind of uh, dispel maybe some of the rumors, like uh, how much money do business owners really make? Or maybe, maybe even how much money do businesses make? And then of that, you can even separate that into business uh, owners too. Like, let's talk about that assumption for the employees that are listening, that are driving to work, going, yeah, I only hope to be as rich as my boss someday sitting on piles of cash that they have, right? So maybe talk about that. Yeah. So when we talk about this, first of all, I want to put this into context is usually what we're talking about are small businesses, which is a vast majority of businesses. We're not talking about like 3M or something like that. Those are very, very different types of businesses. Those are corporations. Those are people that don't really own the business. They're just, they're executives inside the business. So when I say, think of a business, I'm talking usually about small businesses. Oftentimes I get to meet people who are jumping in to start a small business and are jumping into it. The failure rate, first of all, of small businesses are, is incredibly high. It's something like 90 something percent of small businesses fail. And fail means that they jump in, they started a business, they probably poured some of their own money into it at the beginning, and they're never going to see that money again. It was just, it's an investment that's just lost. And sometimes it's lots and lots of money. It's not only money that they poured into it to start off with, to start paying people with, which can be tens of thousands of dollars, but a lot of times it's risking things like their own income. So they're, they've probably left another job and they're not getting paid for stuff that they used to get paid for. A lot of times business owners, when they jump into a business, they take out loans for things. Uh, we took out a second mortgage on our house when I jumped and we were borrowing into that second mortgage uh, just to keep lights on at the house while we we're trying to jump into the business. So at the beginning, business owners make very, very little money. In fact, they often lose money. I often use the analogy of it's like getting dropped on the top of Mount Everest above the kill zone where there's not enough oxygen to live and you only have so much time to get below the kill zone so that you get enough oxygen so you can breathe and you can survive. Um, so, I mean, it starts that paints a great like, picture, by the way, if you are considering uh, starting a business. Yeah. Uh, just think about that. That's what I was thinking. I was like, man, so is it even worth it, Don? Yeah. Where <laughs> do I sign up for question. that? That sounds great. But, uh, you know, on that note, it's funny. I was telling somebody else who just started a business that story. And they're like, wow, you should be a motivational speaker about this. If I can talk you out of it, then you probably shouldn't do it. Like if exactly. I can literally like say that and you're like, that scares me. I don't want to do it now. Then you're, yeah, you're in the wrong business. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's, it's a scary type of thing. And you kind of figure out fairly early if you're hardwired for it or not, you know, it's, it's how do you sleep when you first start doing it, that kind of thing. Uh, so these business owners, when they're starting the business, they're putting a lot of cash into it. So they're falling behind as they start to make, make some money. And as the business starts to come in, everybody else gets paid before the business owner does. And I know you've probably heard that before. And you think, what does that mean? That means business owners can't miss payroll. Like you have to pay payroll. Even if the money doesn't come in, the business owner still has to make payroll. So you tend to go through a phase of business after you're from the, after, when you're below the death zone and people start to make money where there's times where I've made good money from it. And there's times where I'm not making anything from it. Um, there's business owners. I talked to a business owner and this is not a great story who had run a business for 10 years. And I said, how's the business? And she says, it's pretty successful. You know, we make payroll, we pay our expenses. Like we're, we're getting through that. And I asked her, I said, how much money are you making out of it? She says, oh, I've never paid myself. That is not totally uncommon. Now that's not normal and that's not healthy. So if you're a business owner who's falls in that category, it's broken. You need to fix it. 
But then as the business starts to mature, what happens is you start to be able to make more money. So imagine if you've started this thing and for five years, you didn't make any money. You went without a salary. You weren't saving money. Your retirement's behind. So now you start to make money. So then business owners tend to pull more money out of the business. So more mature businesses, business owners make pretty decent money. Uh, the downside of that is that they also know, and they're used to that any minute they're, that could change direction. So they have to put money away to be able to make payroll and pay for other things. They're also paying back old debt that they had. They're paying back, making up retirement funds, all that kind of stuff. So I think that you have to, when you think about how much does a business owner make, you have to think about it over the life cycle of the business, not in the moment. Um, you know, as it gets more mature, hopefully the business owners make more and more. It's kind of a risk reward thing. You make more money later on if it works. You know, if it doesn't work, then yeah. you've probably lost a lot of money up front. Yeah, and I, and I think that's I think that's insightful, and maybe lays the foundation for for potentially our next question. I'm going to switch gears just just a little bit here. So we've 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 kind of tackled the assumption of okay, so where's all this money that you're hoarding? That gives us an idea of okay, so this is kind of how that works at a very very high level. My question is this: so um, okay, so let's say we do have profit as a company. Um, what happens to profit? in the company? Like what, what should maybe business owners be thinking about? So, Hey, we, we actually made some money. Um, is it just, is it raises for everybody or where should that go? What, what should we be thinking about as a, as an owner? Maybe slice it just a little bit further there too, because we're talking about profit. And then we also have this other word of revenue. Diana, talk to us about profit versus revenue, and then maybe where that should go. What's the difference? Okay, so a lot of people use profit and revenue interchangeably, but those words are very different. So revenue is the amount of money that a company brings in. So Don was saying like this employee of ours saw the amount of money that we charged a client and then thought that that equaled what he should be being paid, right? But the truth of it is, is that there is a lot of expenses that go into that revenue number. So once you pull out all of the expenses, the leftover money is your profit. And that could mean that for every dollar you get into a business, you're only getting like three cents profit. So it's a big chunk of expenses for every business. And so the, the leftover money is your profit. And, and a lot of businesses, Matt, love to brag, especially small business owners love to think about the revenue and not the profit. Right. They get excited about the revenue. And this is a, this is a big, big, big mistake. There was a business that we worked with that they had purchased the business and he was excitedly telling me, he's like, we've tripled the, we've tripled the size of the business. We've tripled the size since I've been here in just like two or three years, we've tripled the size of it. And so we got into the, the, the financials a little bit and we found that it was true that they were making three times the revenue that they were making when he took over the business before, but they were making half the profit. And so essentially what happened there is now he's running a company three times bigger, three times harder to run for half the money at the end of the day. So, I mean, really the profit is what indicates the health of a business, not the revenue side of things. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Thanks. Thanks, Diana. Thanks, Don. And, and, and let's talk about maybe the other side of this too. And by the way, we're, we're talking about profit, revenue. This is, yeah, we, we view that as positive, right? But sometimes we don't, we're not always profitable. Uh, we don't always, always have, you know, the revenue is up and down if we're following it. Uh, sometimes though, I don't, I think we base it, business owners uh, base this off of a feeling because we don't really know. We don't have a, a clear picture of what it is. So this month felt better than 
last month and I don't know why, right? I just have the, I'm riding this tidal wave of feeling of this up and down. So we talked about profit, we talked about revenue. Let me ask this question here. So what happens when a company loses money, Don? So let me jump on that. You know, you just asked the question, why do you, what happens to profit? You know, and then you ask the question, what happens if you lose money? Uh, if you've been around long enough, you recognize that when you make money, you want to put some of it aside because someday you're going to lose money again. So when you're losing money, where does the profit come from? It comes from the owner. I mean, ultimately, where does the profit go? The profit goes to the owner. The owner gets to decide what to do with the profit. Now, often the owner will reinvest the profit back into the company, but oftentimes the owner sets the profit aside, hopefully, and then gets ready for when the business loses money so that they have that war chest out there. You're seeing, you know, in 2020, during the pandemic, lots of businesses had massive impacts on their revenue, by the way. And the, what they wanted to do was they wanted to control their expenses, which a lot of times the biggest expense in a business is the people. And they didn't want to cut people. They, they had negative profits in 2020. And so hopefully the really healthy businesses had a war chest saved up just for that type of occasion so that they could use that money so they could keep their teams employed. Uh, and not totally disrupt the business. A business loses money, the cash has to come from somewhere. So either it comes from a war chest or the owner has to put it out of their own pocket or the owner has to go out and borrow money to be able to make up the difference. And so business owners that don't plan very well for it or have an unexpected loss, a lot of times what they find themselves doing is going to borrow money from a bank or the SBA or somebody to be able to make up that loss. I think you guys know that I'm a big cut cost person. Uh, everyone on the team will tell you that the minute yeah. that we're talking about money, I'm always, I'm the one to say, how much does that cost? And where's the money coming from? And how do we do that? Because I truly believe that the best company to have money is to cut the costs, right? Instead of trying to make more revenue all the time, cut yeah. some costs. That actually leads us to our next question because because I think you cut out just a little bit, but it said I think what you were saying was the best way for a company to make money is to cut costs, and I th think sometimes we get into this this paradigm here with these different businesses where it's like we we are not making enough money. How do we sell more? I don't really know why, but our, our emotional reaction is to say do better, sell more. Like anxiety is heightened. We just need to sell more and generate more revenue. But I think there's a lot to be said too about. This, this idea of why is a penny saved maybe better than a penny earned too. So uh, what's the impact financially, Don, if we, if we have maybe that take of saving a penny rather than trying to earn another one? Yeah, you're referring to a Benjamin Franklin quote, right? That a penny saved is a penny earned, right? That idea. Uh, that's actually not true. Uh, Benjamin Franklin was a dirty, rotten liar. And you can tell him I said that. Uh, false. <laughs> false. False. So here's the idea. Why are saving expenses exciting versus building revenue? Like you said, business owners like to build revenue. Companies get excited. I'll just sell more. I'll, I'll, I'll earn our problems here. The problem is, is whenever you sell something, stuff you sell costs you money too. That's called a margin, right? And there's a gross margin and there's a net margin. A gross margin is how much it costs you to make a thing. So like if you make a widget, like you have to buy all the stuff to make the widget and the labor to put it into making the part itself comes out of that dollar, right? And then there's the overhead money that comes out on top of that, which is the stuff for like the building that you're in, your, your marketing, your logos, your office staff, all the stuff that supports making that. By the time all of that comes out, that dollar that you make turns into pennies. Now, the average employee thinks that that dollar at the end is about 38 cents. In reality, the average business makes eight cents on the dollar. 
So in order to make eight cents of profit, you need to sell a dollar's worth of stuff. Let's give yourself a better margin than that. Let's say it's a 10% margin. So let's say you're making a 10% net margin at the end of the day. That means for if you want to make $1,000 in the business, you have to sell $10,000 to be able to make the $1,000 at the end of the day in profit. Now, think about it from the expense side. The expenses come right off the bottom line. Every penny that you save is a penny of profit at the end of the day. So if you save $1,000 in expenses, it impacts the bottom line, that profit by $1,000 at the end of the day. If you wanna make an extra $1,000 in profit, you have two choices. If you have a 10% margin, you either want to make an extra $10,000 in revenue, or you can save $1,000 in expenses. Which is crazy. That's crazy. That's so crazy. that's why Diana wants us to not spend money because she's like, look how much money we can keep. <laughs> it's we so work, true. We work with a restaurant that had a 1% profit margin, which is not good by the way, but they had a 1% profit margin. Their employees figured out a way to save $1,500 a year. And they presented it to their management team and their management team kind of went like, okay, $1,500 a year, that's not that big a deal. What's the big deal on $1,500 a year? And they sort of like patted them on the head a little bit and said, thank you so much. Good job. And then you could just see that they weren't that impressed with that number until they pointed out at a 1% profit margin, they have to sell $150,000 worth of restaurant tickets to get $1,500 in profit at the end of the year. So that $1,500 in savings had the same impact spending $150,000 in the restaurant. If I told you somebody just came in about $150,000 gift card to the restaurant, they would have gotten really excited about that. The penny saved is not where the penny earned. If you have a 10% profit margin, a penny saved is 10 times the penny earned. Yeah. And I always tell leaders when they're asking about how they make more money pushing their salespeople. And I'm like, listen, if your people could sell more, they would. So quit pushing. But what can everybody do to cut some expense to impact that bottom line now immediately? And it's not always easy, right? Because then you have to work harder or you don't have as many tools and it, you have to be scrappier and it kind of sucks, but it's a lot easier than just pushing everyone to go sell more and go do more, right? Yeah. And, and, and you say everyone, like it's everyone. And that's not necessarily true. A lot of times it's the sales groups that we've experienced that are just under the microscope. Like, what are you doing to either allow this business to succeed or fail? The fate of our, of our uh, you know, organization rests on your shoulders, and which just increases the anxiety. In a lot of situations, these are commissioned salespeople. They are paid based off of what they sell. That is their motivation. I do want to sell more. And so, yes, maybe we could tweak some of those things, but the idea of being able to find some of those areas, that really has a much bigger effect on the bottom line. So let's transition this conversation into uh, talking about debt. How does debt impact a business? And maybe how does debt influence the decisions that we're able to make within the business? So debt is not free money, right? I think you all know that, right? Whenever you go and borrow money from something, there's an interest rate that's applied to the debt. So if you have a credit card and you are carrying a balance every month, you have a significant interest payment that you are making in exchange for that money. So there's a cost to you having that money now. So when a business carries on debt, it's just like in personal debt. If, you, if your credit card payments get too high, uh, it doesn't matter if you pay off the principal every month, that interest rate is just going to sit there and just beat the crap out of you. Same thing happens inside of a business. If the business continues to borrow money and borrows too much money, becomes over leveraged, that debt has an interest payment to it and the business must pay that interest off. 
And the interest actually shows up in the profit and loss statement. It actually impacts the profitability directly. Every dollar of interest that you pay, it's an expense in the business. It comes off of how much you pay or how much your profit is at the end of the year. But in addition to that, in order for you to get rid of that interest, you have to pay money on the principal to pay that interest down. And that money does not even show up in your PL. The payments that you make on a loan do not show up on your PL. So above and beyond what your PLs tell you to do, uh, you have to make you have to pay extra money using profit to pay down debt in order to lower interest. It kind of creates a double whammy. Not only do you have the interest that impacts things, but then you also have to invest future profit to pay down the debt so that you can eliminate it. So Don, let me ask a follow-up question to that. Then if I'm a business owner, I understand maybe sometimes being able to use that credit card or take on that additional debt to get over this hump might seem like the simplest way to do it, but what are some things to maybe consider before I do that? I think it's really important if you're a business owner to have a great relationship with a banker. Now, I'm going to say something here, maybe controversial. I have a lot of friends who are bankers or in banks. Most banks, I think, are lazy and don't handle business owners very well. I'm just going to say Ouch. that. Ouch. Dang, dude. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think most banks are fairly passive in terms of business owners. I think what you need to have is you need to find a banker who wants to learn about your business and learn how to better support your business so that you don't do things like, like Matt, you talked about credit cards. They are a very easy place to put debt. And a lot of times we see small businesses start to put debt on credit cards. That's oftentimes the most expensive form of debt that you can have. It's also the easiest to get, which is why it's so expensive. But there's other ways to get debt. There's SBA loans that you can go out and get. There's bank loans that you can go out and get. If you have collateral, you can go sometimes get loans on that debt. You can get line of credits that can open up that can help you with cash situations. Those have lower interest rates and better payback terms. Uh, so you, you really want to think about like what's the payback terms look like? What's the interest rates look like? Uh, the more careful you are, the better off you should be. Um, I also want to add one thing too is I'm not anti-debt. Most business owners have some debt, but businesses, sometimes they need to go into debt to take advantage of business opportunities. They just have to. If you get into financials of businesses, there's a healthy debt to equity ratio that businesses have. If you don't, if you're not putting enough debt, you're not investing back into business. You're not taking advantage of growth opportunities. So sometimes you do want some debt. You just want to do it very carefully. You know, what's interesting about this conversation too, and Bethany, I'll come right, I'll come right to you is, is a lot of people that signed up to be business owners didn't sign up to keep an eyeball on all of those other things, right? They signed up because they wanted to, you know, they're passionate about the business of the service that they're offering. So I just think that's interesting. We'll go there in just a minute. Bethany, what were your thoughts? I was, I just think that's really interesting. I was going to ask, you know, are, are there any benefits to taking on debt as a business owner? Because I think, you know, in our normal lives, in our personal lives, obviously the way that you know, the way the system is set up is you do benefit, you kind of have to have some credit, you know, you kind of have to have good credit to be able to do other things and which I have other thoughts about that, that I think is kind of crazy, but, um, you know, I never thought about that within a business too, of like, what are some of those benefits? And you kind of talked a little bit about that. I don't know if you have any other things you would want to add there. You know, you always want to think about if your rate of return in the business is better than the interest rate, it may be a good idea for you to go into debt. So like we have a company that's a manufacturer and they may need to go buy a new laser or a new piece of equipment or something to take advantage of a market opportunity that they have. They may even have a customer that's standing in front of them ready to buy something right now if they could make these parts that they would need the equipment to buy. 
and maybe they don't have the cash to buy the equipment. So then in that case, yeah, it'd be good to go to the bank, buy the equipment, you know, use the equipment as collateral, take on a, you know, interest rates are great right now. They're very, very low. So three, 4%, 5%, whatever it is, interest rate on it. If they know they're going to get a 15, 20% net margin on that money that they sell later. So there, there's games that businesses play, especially as they get bigger and bigger, where you want to go into debt um, just to, to be able to take advantage of market conditions. But it, I mean, it's a risk. You know, it may not turn out the way you think it is. And then you still owe that money at the end of the day. But yeah, if you can, you should be able to beat interest rates in your business. You should be able to outpace the bank. So then borrowing money is not bad from that standpoint. Yeah. So great question, Bethany. Thanks, Don. So one of the, one of the things that I think that we, you know, want to, want to go back to there is understanding, okay, so I own the business. I got into this business because I'm passionate about the service or the products that I'm able to, to supply. Maybe I, I didn't even think about half of these things we've discussed here on the financial side. I'm just passionate about what it is that I get to do. Maybe you're sitting there going, you know what, admittedly, I've made a lot of these mistakes. I don't know how I got into the situation where I, I am right now. Um, you know, I, I just am trying to make the emotional decision of, of whatever I think is best next. But there are some tools maybe that, that we could help business owners with. I like the term that we use sometimes. At least I'm going in with eyes open. Good or bad, at least I'm going in with eyes open and then I can maybe help influence decisions. So the question is, what reports do business owners need to understand their financials? What are some of those reports that would be beneficial to understand? You know, and I love your point, Matt, is you get it. Like when I got into the consulting thing, it was I wanted to run a business. I didn't know anything about the financials. And I actually sat down with some accounting people and they just said, you know, just kind of keep a shoebox over here and you'll throw your expenses and stuff in. It, it gets to some point where you run the business for so long. It's like th that person at work whose name you don't know, but you interact with them on a day-to-day -day basis. It's like it goes past the point where you can ask them like, by the way, what's your name? I know we interact here for the last three or four years. I spoke to a group of business owners and I said, how many of you understand your financials? And every one of them raised their hand. And then I said, here's my second question. How many of you really understand your financials? And there were a bunch of nervous laughs as they looked around to each other. And they realized that very few people in the room felt like they had a good understanding of their financials. Yeah. I mean, you think about the humility that it takes to be able to even have that conversation, right? I mean, we, we've talked to different business owners that go, I, I, I have no idea what I'm looking at. I just know that it hurts. We talked about the emotion or the anxiety. That's what I'm writing. I just know that it hurt worse a little bit uh, this month than it did last month here. And so it's an emotional thing. Bethany? thinking about, okay, you might work with an accountant as a business owner or something like that. But I think about in my personal life, you know, our family, we've started seeing a financial advisor and that's been incredibly helpful for us on a personal note. And so I wonder for business owners, what kind of, you know, support should they be getting um, when it comes to their financials? Are there, are there advisors like that for, you know, business owners when it comes to just managing their finances and understanding, making sure they're not missing something and all of that? Yeah, I think your accountant should play that role as a business owner. Um, now your accountant, you have to be aware of what you hired your accountant to do and be upfront about that whenever you hire an accountant. Like, are you willing to serve as an advisor for me or are you just taking all my tax information and filing tax returns for me at the end of the year? A, a really good accountant, they will spend time answering questions for you. And just like Bethany, like in your personal accounting or your personal financials, you have to spend time in it. Like you can't, there's no way to just by osmosis, get the information and you can't rely on other people to do it. You do have to be able to understand it. You just have to ask questions and not be afraid to ask dumb questions. Diana, you want to add something to that? Yeah. One of the most shocking things for me when I was going through my MBA 
was the accounting class versus the financial class, right? I'd always use those terms interchangeably. It's your finances, it's accounting. But the truth is accountants work so that the government is satisfied. That's what accountants do. They're they're managing it so the government does not get on your butt and so that you pay the taxes. Accountants they keep you are, out of jail. Yeah. Yeah. They're not looking at it from a truly financial perspective and actually giving you the insights that you need to run your business or to run your household or whatever that is. Accountants account. They do not do anything else. We have several good accountants friends and clients as well. We love you uh, all equally, <laughs> equally much. When she says they don't do anything else, they do lots of very important things. We and look, I, I don't want to, I'm not trying to like, we're, maybe I said some bad things about bankers earlier. Now I feel like I'm throwing accountants under the <laughs> Depending on what you hired your accountant to do depends on what kind of resource they're going to be for you. A lot of, I mean, the reason H&R Block is so big is because a lot of people want to have kind of a passive person of just do my taxes. I'm going to give you the information, just file the taxes for me, just do that piece of it. Don't call your H&R Block person and start asking them questions of what does this mean or how does this work or what does this mean? They might answer if you have somebody that's really nice, but it's just really not what they're there for. So you have to think about like what level of advisor do you have? You know, Matt, you asked an earlier question of like, so then what do we as owners like look at? What kind right. of statements do we need to be able to run from? I mean, unfortunately, a lot of owners look at their bank account. And drive by that. If I have money in there, things are going good. If I don't, things are going bad and I need to adjust something. Unfortunately, that's kind of like driving, looking in the rearview mirror. Uh, you're looking to see what's already happened to you. You can't make adjustments at that point. Like it's too, it's too slow of a response. You don't know. What's better is if you know that you're going to lose money or if you're going to make money and you can do that. And you really have to look at three different statements. And the three statements are one is your PL, which is also called your income statement. And that's the one that most people are used to looking at. That shows all of your revenue and your expenses and your profit. That tells you if your business model is working or not. That tells you generally if you're making money, right? But it doesn't tell you how much money you have. It doesn't tell you how much cash you have. So for that, you need a second statement, which is the balance sheet. Your balance sheet tells you how much you have at any given moment. It shares these are the assets that you have, these are the liabilities, and this is the debt that you have. So it takes a snapshot of all of that to see what you have. Um, but that doesn't tell you even the cash flow situation because cash flow goes up and down. Anybody who runs a business recognizes that you don't get paid and run expenses at the same pace. It would be great if that was true. Like you're always paying out and you're always making money in. You get paid at different times than when you have to pay other people. So you need the third statement, which is your cash flow statement. And your cash flow statement shows how your cash cycles through the course of a given month or week or even day in some businesses. And so you have to understand that in order to be able to run your business. You can make money. You can make profit and go out of business. You could be a profitable company and go out of business because you have too much debt, right? Or you don't have enough cash to run the business. You, you're, you don't have enough cash to be able to pay things. So you run out of cash and lots of businesses that happens to them. I've got, I've been selling stuff, but my customers haven't paid me yet. And so I can't pay my employees. And so now I'm out of money and I have to shut down the business and I have to declare bankruptcy. That happens. And the business was profitable, but they needed those other two statements. They needed to understand cash flow and their balance sheet to be able to really see what's going on. Most business owners, small business owners don't know. And I'm, so I'm giving you permission now, if you're listening to this as a business owner, most business owners don't know those three reports that I just shared. And I'll bet a lot of them have never looked at at least one or two of those three that I that I just mentioned. 
let me let me piggyback on that just just for a second here because a lot of times too one of the frustrations that we will hear is that they're they're frustrated about the decisions that their employees are making or the employees within the company are making uh, or the the questions that they're asking that seem outlandish at the time and the reality is if the business owners aren't aware of those reports or they're trusting somebody else just to provide that information or just give me a thumbs up or thumbs down where where are we you know the the question that we ask is how do we anticipate or how do we expect our employees to know some of the answers to these questions if we don't know the answers to these questions. Uh, why are we allowing ourselves to continue to get frustrated by by the mindset that it feels like our employees are, you know, do they, do they not have any idea of what's going on? Like they should be able to kind of tell because the vibe is different. I don't think that's good enough. You know, how, how do we then support our employees to be able to give them an opportunity to also make sound decisions according to where we are? Don? Yeah, and I'll even double down on that, Matt. Like, I think that some owners put a firewall between them and the financials of the business. And they yeah. say like, I don't want you to understand it. I don't want to share it with you. And they do it for two reasons is one is they don't like it. Whenever the, those times I talked about as a business owner, how much money you make, there's times when you make a lot of money and you put it away someplace, or there's times as a business owner where you might make a decision, I'm going to buy something. You know, our personal financials are very personal. A business owner, it feels very personal when you share with other people, Hey, I bought this thing. Uh, and I bought it on a company, you know, I, I, I bought it, I pulled some extra money out of the company. Like that's embarrassing. So we don't share that. But the second reason is sometimes we think we're protecting our employees. I don't want you to worry about it. I don't want you to think about it. I don't want you to have to, to think about what that is. So the things I would say is, first of all, as a business owner, is if you're going to get frustrated with the decisions that your people make on a financial basis, I think you have to share at some level what's happening financially. You can't get mad at them for making decisions that they don't know about. Diana, you want to say more about that? You have to tell them something, right? You have to share something. And maybe you don't want to share everything, right? I get that. Like you were saying, it is personal, but you have to share enough that there is a good understanding of what's going on. Yeah, if you think about it too, you know, something that we ask business owners at, at, at that time, do if I managed five different people, do I want them sitting and waiting for my direction or do I want them to understand the direction and they're already proactively trying to help, help me get there? And everybody in the room always says, no, 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 I want five proactive people that already know the direction. In order to know the direction of where we're going, kind of have to reveal the curtain just a little bit, especially on the financial side. We don't have to say, this is what everybody makes, you know, those types of things, but to help them create, you know, some sort of a simple scorecard so they can make a knowledgeable decision. Um, because I think for the most part, people desire to have the best situation for the company that they're working for. They're not trying to sabotage the, the situation. Yeah, and a lot of that is can be done through some simple scorecards. We do advocate for a program called The Great Game of Business. Uh, that's a program that we practice at PeopleCentric. It's a good open book kind of management system. Uh, but it's not just, you don't just go hand out your QuickBooks password to everybody and say, here's everything. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. Yeah, that would be bad. People, first of all, people don't understand all the numbers behind it. Uh, second of all, it's a snapshot of what's happening right now. It doesn't tell the whole history. So what you kind of have to do is you have to, if you're going to share some financials, you have to share not just the numbers, but the story behind the numbers. I don't care about the numbers. I care about the story, right? That's what you really want to know. So if you can share some of the story behind the numbers and share some of the numbers, people have an inherent desire to win. So when you start showing them the score and we start seeing that we're losing, people start to figure things out. We have a company that we work with. The owner was complaining because they spend thousands of dollars on software subscriptions right? Those just pile up and you add on. I mean, it's like, I don't know what my employees are using or what they're not using. 
All we did was we started sharing with the employees how much they were spending on the software subscriptions. The employees themselves started digging into it and started canceling things like, oh, we don't need that. We don't need that. We don't need that. We don't need that. And they ended up saving themselves $1,500 per month of software subscriptions, $1,500 per month. That's $1,800, $18,000 a year that goes straight to the bottom line. If they had a 10% profit margin, they would have had to sell $180,000 worth of revenue just to make that, that money. Showing just a little bit about what's going on with your team helps your team to make better decisions. If you're frustrated for your team not making good decisions, ask yourself, does my team have even the information they need to be able to make good decisions? And even more than that, like, do you actually, as the business owner, have all the information you need to make the good decisions? That's a great point. And I think, look, if you're a business owner listening to this, this is kind of an intervention. Um, if you don't understand your financials, it's okay. You probably join a majority of other small business owners who don't, and you can get better. And you have to get better by starting to dive in. Start looking at your reports, dive into your QuickBooks, ask a bunch of questions, find a good partner that's willing to explain things to you and how things work. You, I think it's just part of owning a business. You really need to understand it. Even if you're sitting there saying, well, I'm not the numbers person. I've hired outside people, at least understand it and then rely on other people to help you with it. But you need to understand it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and I'm sure we're, we're able to and happy to answer any questions that people might have if they wanted to take this conversation a step further. Uh, also, if there are people still kind of lingering on the question that Don was talking about earlier, of, you know, accountants will do the things that you have hired them to do. The obvious question for that business owner might be going, what are the things that I should be asking them to do then? Because they've always just kind of been doing that. I mean, feel free. I don't want to take necessarily any more time here, but feel free to reach out. Let's have that conversation if you would like to. If you'd like any more information on this, this lane here, this, this financials lane, ask us some specific questions. We'd be happy to maybe tackle those either on this platform or maybe on our social media or maybe with you directly um, as well if you have some specifics that you wanted to walk through. So good conversation. Let's go around the horn like we do. One little quick tip here on the financials part. Uh, what would you say to those business owners or from the employee level? Uh, what are some, some of those things that you might say on the, the financial scope here? What's your quick tip, Diana? Mine is always watch the expenses. I think it's really easy to get some of those recurring transactions that are always going and those tools and subscriptions. And if you as an employee have a tool that you're not using, I would tell your boss and just say like, hey, I think I can save us some money. I'm not using this thing or I'm underutilizing this thing, you know, whatever it is. I'm a big believer and look at those expenses because that's a huge hit to your bottom line every month. Awesome. Thanks, Diana. Bethany? I don't know. I'm, I feel like I was learning a lot in this too. I mean, I guess I think it's nice, you know, for a business owner, if you don't have somebody, if you don't understand your financials, find somebody who you feel comfortable asking questions to and, and who can help you with that. Um, and even as an employee, I guess, you know, I feel comfortable enough, you know, talking with your, with your boss um, to help you understand what the finances are for, for the business. And you're able to start asking some questions and so that you can do, you know, like what Diana said of trying to find opportunities to help save money, because I think that's a, I mean, that's a huge impact. If you can save a thousand dollars that you're making a lot more for your, for your company. So. I just want to say, Bethany, I love that one because I love when people ask me questions about the finances and what's going on. I think people are intimidated to ask me that stuff, but I love it when they start asking those questions. Well, and I think it's probably how you go about that question too of, you know, if it's to the point of what you're talking about, 
early on in the in the podcast where it's like, why am I not making more money? And you're going in with those kinds of questions. Um, you know, that person's probably going to be more defensive. So, you know, if you're coming at it from, you know, from a genuine heart and and just really saying like I want to understand it better so I can get involved I would say that's probably going to be received well so all right thank you Don I think my my takeaway from the discussion here is that even if you're not a numbers person and regardless of whether you own the company or you work inside the company I think there's some benefit to having a working understanding of the basic financials and how that works within a company. Again, you may not be really big on the financials or the accounting or anything like that, but if you're big on winning, you need to know what the score is. Really, the financials provide the universal language of business, which is whether it's working or not. You may not understand it. Most people don't, and most people don't like to talk about how they don't understand it. So I love what you talked about before about asking questions and diving into it. But I want to encourage you all, if you're sitting there like, I'm not a numbers person, I'll trust somebody else to do that. Uh, I think you're making a big mistake. I think you need to have a working knowledge of what's happening around you. Yeah, and I appreciate that, Don. Thank you. My my takeaway here, my quick tip here is to understand your options. We were talking about Don. Don had mentioned your debt as part of doing business, but there's different ways that you can take on debt, right? And so that relationship with a banker that you had talked about uh, when you were doing your best not to disparage other bankers, but just finding that one banker that really, you know, that that really cares for not just the number side of it, but what you're trying to accomplish as a business as well. That maybe give you some solid options of different things, different ways that you could take on debt do it, um, you know, thoughtfully too. So yeah, let me, I'm going to double down on that too, Matt. When the pandemic hit, our banker at PeopleCentric and our accountant got on the phone with each other to talk about how they could support us. That's, I want to set the bar for all of you. It was amazing. That's what you're looking for. Yeah. It's like this team around you that's, that's surrounding you. And then they're calling and they're both on the phone with me talking about, okay, what do we need to do in response? And not just in response to like, like, okay, this is what's already happened, but what's, what are we going to do moving forward? All right. I appreciate it. Thank you all for joining us on the More Than Work podcast. If you had feedback or other clarifying questions you wanted to ask about this episode, then please feel free to interact with us. If you have topics on other episodes that you'd like to hear us uh, engage on, then we'd be happy to entertain those ideas too. Bethany? Thanks for listening today. The More Than Work podcast is produced by PeopleCentric Consulting Group, a consulting firm that believes people should be put at the center of every organization. If you have a topic you want our team of experts to address, feel free to contact us at morethanworkpodcast at peopleccg.com. You can also learn more about us by visiting our website at www.peoplecentric.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We will be back next week to give you practical advice that you can use to improve your work. In the meantime, lead well.